What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Film Survivor Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Tom Santilli, and uh, we are about to dive in and talk about Survivor Game Changers, uh, the most recent episode, uh, episode 10, that aired uh, Wednesday, April the 26th. Uh, so if you are, uh, if you have not seen the episode, I urge you to pause this podcast or come back to it. Uh, it is meant for people who have seen it, and we're going to talk about the episode. We have an exit interview coming up with uh, the person that was voted out and who became the third member of the Survivor jury. Uh, so with that, last spoiler alert right now. And, okay, we got past that part. Uh want to let you know, yeah, I cover Survivor for RealityT.com. You can find my episode previews, uh, recap, reaction, and the written uh, exit interviews on that site. You can also link to this podcast from there. And uh, all of my stuff you can get at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, I should say, at Tom Santilli, and on my website, TomSantilli.com. So let's get into this episode. It was a Sarah-centric episode. This was kind of like, you know, when you watch an, an ensemble show like Lost or The Walking Dead. Uh, you know, it was kind of like one of those episodes where they, you know, they kind of don't cover most of the group and they just kind of focus on one one person. And uh, this was definitely a Sarah episode of Survivor Game Changers. She was one of the people this season that, you know, when she came in, it uh, raised a few eyebrows. You know, she was like a Sierra Don Thomas or a Haley Ford where people were kind of like, you know, game changer? Eh, not really sure about that. Not really sure why you're on the show. Uh, I mean, she's likable. Her season uh, was the season that, you know, Tony Vlachos won. And, you know, Sarah did show some, you know, astute uh, observation by being able to pick out that Tony was a cop, even though he lied about that. Uh, and, yeah, um, so she showed a couple things, but, I mean, she didn't really do enough to warrant her being called the Game Changer. But, man, am I happy that she was included this season. Uh, she is not disappointed. She has been playing the game from the beginning, has made very subtle moves. And tonight was all about her decision, uh, the big decision at Tribal. By the way, if you can hear some background uh, rain falling, uh, just because I can, uh, I'm in the shithole of uh, Detroit, as far as weather goes. Love Detroit. Love me some Detroit. Grew up here. But uh, weather, not so great. <laughs> and right now I'm in the middle of a rainstorm. So that's not, uh, you know, calming, uh, you know, mood, environment, uh, music behind me. That is actual storm. So, yeah, just so you're wondering. Anyway, I did what I can with my little podcast booth here. But uh, apparently the rain, uh, if it falls hard enough, can't stop. Can't stop it. So anyway, you didn't you didn't tune in for a weather report from Detroit. Uh, you tuned in to hear about Survivor. So let's get into Sarah and what she decided to do. Um, so okay, she was kind of playing both sides this whole game, and she's been you know in a great position. But you know, there's a lot of talk tonight about lines being drawn. You know, lines in the sand, lines in the concrete. Uh, and Sarah finally was pushed to the point where she had no choice but to make a choice. And she decided to upend her, her uh, six-person alliance that felt like they were in charge, the same alliance that she decided to vote with last week. Uh, she decided to turn on them, blindsiding Deb, uh, Debbie if you want. I always call her Deb, so I'm going to stick with Deb. Uh, anyway, she blindsides Deb. And uh, really turns on 
her alliance. Uh, this is great news if you're a fan of uh, Andrea and Sri. More on them later. But the question is, did Sarah make the right decision? Um, and this will be debated, and I guess we'll watch it play out. I mean, if she goes on to win Survivor, then clearly it was the right decision. I'm going to make the case, though, that she made the wrong decision this week. Uh, I think that I'm trying to look at it from a couple different ways, but the thing that I think there was some validity. Let's let's take a step back for a minute and talk about the tribal council. You know, Troy Zan, who, let's face it, he's a nice guy, has no shot of winning this game, but he did bring up a good point. You know, about his version of Final Six is you know if you you got to get there, you got to get to Final Six first before you can start kind of strategizing about what you're going to do at six. Uh. On the other hand of the spectrum, you had Michaela bring up the point, like, no, you have to make moves to get to Final Six when you have the numbers. Because if you don't take advantage of the opportunities, you're never going to make it there. Uh, and that's why I love Survivor. Uh, these kind of debates are unique to the individual. They each have merit, and uh, they're interesting to talk about. But I think there's some validity to both sides of this. And what I think Sarah, the problem with what Sarah did is... As long as it, it was portrayed in the episode, at least, as if she was constantly worried about her place in that six. Uh, she felt like she was at the bottom of her alliance. Um, so making a move against them was great television, great entertainment, great entertainment value. That's what we watch Survivor for. We want to see blind sides. We want to see, you know, upheaval. We don't want to know. There's nothing worse than watching a season of Survivor where an alliance, you know, stays true to each other and goes all the way to the end honorably you know nobody's watching survivor for the honor of it i'm not uh so you know you got that on one hand but i think her thinking is slightly flawed when you know now that she's turned on this group you know she basically has backstabbed uh culpepper sierra ty and troisian now uh and all she really did was put sierra i'm sorry Sari and Andrea back into a position of power. They're kind of calling the shots on the what was the minority alliance. They were totally calling the shots. And uh, now that she's joined them, she's given them new life in the game. Uh, and that brings me to my ultimate point, which is I, I just can't imagine. <laughs> Let me say it clearly. I keep writing this in all caps because I don't know how to increase the font size in my uh, in my written recaps, but I need to shout this from the mountaintop. But Sari is the most dangerous player in the game of Survivor. She's the most dangerous player in the game right now. She's a legend. She's a legend of the game. She's also the poster child for... You know, the average person, uh, you know, getting off the couch and getting into the game. You know, I think that there have been more references to Sierra's couch, I think, than any other piece of furniture in the history of television. Uh, you know, she got off the couch to play Survivor. This is her fourth go-around. And anybody who has watched Sierra in the... Or Sierra, I keep calling her Sierra. Siri in the past. This season, by the way, had a Sierra, another Sierra, a Siri and a Sarah. So forgive me if I'm uh, butchering it a little bit here. But anyway, Sari is the, one of the most dangerous, dangerous players. Anybody who's seen her in the past knows that she has just a mean, uh, and by mean I mean an awesome, uh, 
you know, just a social game. Her game, she is so perfect socially. Uh, she can manipulate and be subtle. She never comes across as pushy. Uh, she never, she always knows what to say and when to say it. She knows when to be quiet, when to talk. And she's never usually a threat because A, people like her, and B, uh, as we saw tonight, she is n- not a physical threat, to put it nicely. So, I can't believe that the rest of these players call themselves game changers and are allowing Suri to stay in the game. To me, there are certain players that they've played, we've now seen them play, and you, you, they can probably never, ever play the game again because now we know who they are. A guy like Russell Hance, for example, is... Think what you want of Russell Hance, but he could never play Survivor again, even if he wanted to. His reputation is so far beyond what he could do in the game that people would just vote him out instantly. And if they didn't, they'd be keeping him around just to humiliate him at the end again where they don't vote for him to win. But a guy like Boston Rob comes into a new game, let's say. like How are people allowing Boston Rob to get past the merge? How are people allowing Boston Rob to get deep into the game? I mean, Suri is in that level. She's a Survivor Hall of Famer, and she's one of the greatest social players ever to play. And uh, she would be an instant target for me if I were out there. Now, Suri had it going for her because she she actually spent 20 days in this game without even going to Tribal Council. Talk about good luck and a good run. So not only did she have 20 days where she didn't even have to unveil her strategy or even think strategically, but that's 20 days of giving a master manipulator, a master social strategist, time to make real bonds with people. That's almost three weeks of a five-week game. And uh, my biggest thing about this whole season is I can't believe Suri is still there. And every week, I just can't believe she's not the target. So not only did Sarah flip and give power back to Suri in the game... But I can't believe that the other tribe was even targeting Andrea. Now, Andrea, in her own right, is a, is a dangerous player. She's a, definitely more of a physical threat. And I think that's part of Ceri's charm is people look at her and they're like, eh, we can get rid of her at any time because, you know, she's not going to win any physical challenges. Whereas Andrea could win challenges and be a threat. But, man, get rid of Ceri when you can. Before you know it, they're going to be writing her name down and it's going to be to win the game. Uh... So I just I'm a little confused with everything, but you know Sarah. Back to Sarah. The, the reason why I think it's a bad move is you know she's now alienated her old tribe, uh, and she's now entering the unknown. Uh, you know, last week if the minority tribe would have had an idol, they would have played it. You know, they would have tried to have saved Ozzy if they could. So there's a safe bet that nobody had an idol. Now that you flip the game, who knows what people have? You know, and as we the viewer know. You got Ty has two idols, you got Troyzan with an idol, and you got Sierra with the legacy advantage that will come into play at some point. Boom. Hear that thunder in the background? Um, anyways, you got all these things in play now that Sarah didn't know about, but she's opening the Pandora's box, so to speak, you know, for these things to happen now. And she's also leaving her game up to Sari. Does she think that she's up the ladder somehow in the pecking order of that tribe? You know, she might have a close relationship with Zeke, but we've seen Zeke, you know, he, his ability to want to play the game, want to make big moves. 
Um, and, and in addition to all this, Sarah has now put herself out there as a, a major player, you know, a person not afraid to make the big move and who's really playing the game. Um, if she can make it to the end, that's an amazing accomplishment. But I feel like she might have been better suited to just get to six, like Trezan had kind of talked about, and go from there. You know, at six, you know, they got Sierra and Brad that everybody would have wanted to break up. So now let's say one of them win immunity, the other doesn't, they're gone. And, uh, yeah, boy, I'm getting distracted by the thunder here. It's pouring where I'm at. Anyways, well, uh, so anyway, I think Sarah made the wrong decision. Had she stuck with her six, uh, she, I think that she would have had a better chance. Yeah, you worry about resume. You worry about, you know, oh, could I have won at the end or this and that. But, I mean, think about who's left in the game at that point. Deb, uh, Ty, who I don't think people would vote for. Maybe they would. Troy Zan. Nobody's going to vote for Troy Zan. I feel like uh, Sierra doesn't have the respect. I mean, so you're looking at, like, you know, Sarah It would be a favorite to win, possibly, at six. And, you know... I don't know. Those are my thoughts. What are your thoughts? Comment on the podcast. Give me some uh, feedback on my writtenrealitytea.com recap. I'd love to hear from you guys and what you thought about Sarah. This was a major pivotal part of the game and uh, interesting. Shifting gears again, too, the other thing that happened as part of this was Zeke and Andrea kind of patched up their their problems. I thought it was the return of the voting block for a minute, Uh, you know, the, the strategy that we saw by the second chancers um wasn't quite a voting block though but i don't know we'll see how that works that that kind of that that strategy worked wonders for a season and that was about it um what else happened uh sarah again the whole thing with michaela with that secret advantage (laughs) oh man i fell for michaela for sure uh I, i like michaela i love me some michaela she's she's amazing uh she though has not been playing the game well. I mean, she's on the outside. At this point, though, I think Michaela has a great shot at going to the end. I mean, they don't... Nobody cares that she's there. Nobody seems to really like her. And why wouldn't you want to sit next to Michaela at the end? Even more reason, by the way, to target Sari is if you take out Sari, you've now crippled Andrea, who's already stated that she doesn't have anybody else in the game. You you take out... You know, Michaela only is friends with Sari. That's her one connection in the game. Uh, you know, taking out Sari just cripples that whole other side of the alliance. I just don't understand why they didn't do it. But, of course, part of that is just how much people like Sari. We saw from the challenge, you know, the, the, mo- the powerful moment of the episode where Sari was unable to get up on, uh, you know, the platform and, uh, you know, was cheered on and some tears were shed. And then... Uh, I guess beyond Sari and all the, the drama with everything else, um, every episode I just love uh, Aubrey and her growing catalog of facial expressions. Uh, <laughs> she's the most uh, gifable, or gifable if you prefer, uh, survivor player maybe ever. I, I love on Twitter every week watching the new Aubrey facial expression gifts. Uh, and she's still in the game. She's never been voted out. And uh, she's got to start playing, though. It's getting a little late in the game for Aubrey. She needs to make a move or two or do something because uh, even if she's at the end right now, I don't see how people vote for her. So anyway, uh, those are my thoughts on the episode. Again, it was all about Sarah. And I think that um, in voting out Deb, 
Uh, I'm not really sure what that did, to be honest. I don't know why people would want Deb out of the game or what kind of threat she posed at that time, but I'm sure things will reveal itself. But uh, I spoke to Deb today, and uh, I'm going to bring you that interview coming up uh, right now. And then be sure to stay afterward. We'll kind of wrap up this week. We'll uh, talk about uh, the recent uh, movies that are in theaters and on on demand this week, and uh, we'll kind of set up the tea for the rest of the season and uh, where this podcast might go from there. So stick around after the interview. Again, leave me your comments, your feedback. I would love to hear from all of you listeners out there. The Growing Film Survivor Podcast. Uh, and here's my interview with Debbie Wanner. Hi, Tom. Hey, Debbie. How's it going today? It's good, sir. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Sorry to see you go last night. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, let's start there. Um, you know, you were blindsided at Tribal Council. Uh, did you have? Did you know what had happened immediately after you were blindsided, or, or what did you think had happened at that time? My first reaction was Troy Zan or Sarah. Okay. So I suspected Troy Zan initially because he was not part of the original Nuku tribe. And because we, from my vantage point, um, the Nuku tribe had been very strong, very connected. We had a lot of good times. Um, Sarah was my second choice because of the six, I had just a day or two before mentioned to Brad that when our Nuku broke, it was going to be Sarah who broke. Mm-hmm. Okay. With... um. Why were you? Why do you think you were the target uh, of the other group? Why? Why wouldn't they have gone? You know, the the show so far has kind of um, have led us to believe that kind of Sierra and Brad are kind of calling the shots. Um, what What do you think they targeted you for? Uh, you know, good, good question. Um, I guess my my speculation would be uh, some perceived me to be the one who quote unquote masterminded taking out Ozzy and, Mm -hmm. you know, had the power of persuasion over my fellow alliance, um, or that Brad and Sierra were just so obvious that that would be who we were gunning for, so there could be another surprise idol pop-up to which Ty would have to, again, you know, just like he did when Malcolm went, choose Mm -hmm. between giving it Brad or Sierra. So knowing that um, it really was me, Brad, Sierra, Ty was the hardcore four. Um, it was a good way to catch us off guard. Okay. So, Brad and Sierra perhaps being too predictable. Got it. Now, you, you mentioned the idols. Were, did you know, were you guys aware at that point in the game of the fact that Ty had two idols and that Troy Zan had one? Uh, I didn't know Troy Zan did. Um you know what? I honestly don't even remember, Tom, if I knew that <laughs> I had them or not. I'm sorry. I don't, I swear to God, I don't remember. I think I knew he had. At least one, maybe. I, I honestly don't remember. Okay, no worries. Well, so I got to talk about this because this is starting to drive me crazy, you know, for a longtime Survivor fan. Um, I know that for the first 20 days in the game, you know, Sari didn't even have to go to a tribal council. But how in the right. world? Can, how in the world was she not a threat when you guys are, are targeting Andrea? Now I know Andrea is a dangerous player in her own right, but how how is Sari not? How is Sari still in the game at this point? 
Um, well, she had zero chance of getting immunity in these physical challenges. So that's how you make it to the end, you know? <laughs> I mean, do you feel like that she's underestimated, like, socially, though, or as far as her manipulative game? Um, because I just find, like, she's one of those survivor legends that I feel like would be just too dangerous to let, let hang around. You know, but on the other hand, you actually genuinely like Suri. That's the thing about her. You genuinely like her. Sure. And, you know, there's certain people you would actually feel good. I mean, you might not feel great, but you feel good. Hey, Suri's a good human being. I genuinely like her, and I'm glad she got a break in life and she won. Sure. You know, you'd feel that about her. You really would at the end of the day. So um, why is she still in the game? She's still in the game because she isn't a physical threat, and she's a genuinely likable person who plays smart. Now, had your six stayed together at that point in the game, um, you would have voted out Andrea. Who would have been uh, the next target after her? What was the pecking order, I guess? Probably because Michaela was always rubbing uh, Brad Culpepper the wrong way. Okay. Like, after back together you know i was apart from brad for just a little bit and he just said michaela 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 <laughs> so probably michaela because you know on top of all the other pressures you deal with tom mm -hmm. to have somebody that just is, is is that like rubbing your you know your fur the wrong way or cut you open and then pour salt on your wounds that's what michaela became to brad and and, and just for some peace Sure. I think it would have been her. Now, on the other hand, though, some people could look at that and say, you know, if I could just put up with this for a few more days, um, Michaela's the perfect person to take to the end because it seems like nobody likes her or would vote for her. Yeah, um, and that depends on what kind of strength you have left in your gas tank after all those days in Survivor. Mm -hmm. I can never succinctly or adequately enough how frenetic and tough this game is mm -hmm. on so many levels that you literally get exhausted. And to top off the disingenuousness, exhaustion, starvation, provocation, now you've got somebody who aggravates you. <laughs> and, you know, maybe you just want a little freaking peace for a couple of minutes, so... <laughs> Sure. That may be why people get rid of somebody that the public thinks they should have just taken to the end. Sure. Easy for us to say, right? Yeah, watching it at home. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> with uh, you got Aubrey and Ty now, both of which you've played the game with before. Um, interestingly, you're playing the game with these two. They both made it to Final Three your season, and you cast a vote for neither of them <laughs> to win the game. And then you find yourself out there this season. You're aligned with Ty. You're not aligned so much with Aubrey. I wanted to ask you specifically about Aubrey. You know, what is there anything about Aubrey's game that you just, that, or something about her personality that you just don't click with? Or is there something about her or her game that just kind of doesn't sit well with you? No. Uh, you know, quite the contrary. I like Aubrey very much. And. Outside of the show, we get along great. In the game, I think we both look at it as a game, and the objective is to better your opponent. And, um, you know, she did. So in the game, 
I think we both believed we couldn't fully trust each other because of our past, mm-hmm. where other people were thinking the co-wrong four was going to be this, you know, rock-solid quad. That was never the case. Um, so, no, me and Aubrey get along great. I respect her, admire her, consider her a friend. In the game, everything was fair. And with Ty, um, is this a different tie? Did you see a different tie this season than the tie that you saw last season? Did, did, was, it no, was it noticeable to you that he was playing a different kind of a game, or was it just the same old guy? You know, I think everybody's a, a little bit different out there. Ty was still, you know, very much a challenge beast, but very agonized in his decisions, which is not a trait unique to Ty in playing Survivor. You really spend a great deal of time, uh, you know, like a beginner chess player trying to analyze your move. I mean, the difference is chess is mathematical. Survivors, people, and you can never account for people's moves. You just can't. Sure. Psychology is probably the biggest BS field that exists because (laughs) most don't even know why people do what they do, (laughs) let alone other people figuring out why they do what they do. (laughs) Right. Um... I is simple spending a great deal of time trying to figure out what the best move for him is. Sure. But I did get closer to him and got to play, and, and I was grateful for that. I like Ty. Okay. Now, I wanted to ask you, too. You had, at one point, um, had the double vote advantage, and uh, you cast uh, two votes towards Ozzy. Um, can you explain your strategy uh, for doing that at that time? Okay. Well, I knew that I had six people who said that they were going to vote for Ozzy. Mm-hmm. The question was, could I trust those six people? And remember, you're playing Survivor, so the answer is no. I cannot <laughs> trust those Sure. So the way to make sure Ozzy went home, remember, Ozzy was after Brad Culpepper, number one, and Sierra Dawn, number two, my core alliance, was to play the extra vote. Had I played it and needed it, I'd have been the big hero, Debbie's so smart, you know, and it would have just been a lucky thing that I played it and it worked out well. You know, um, uh, 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 the second, it was a done deal, short thing. Nobody could stab me in the back by taking that second vote, mm-hmm. and um, Ozzy went home. So, And you obviously, you saw that as cru- crucial enough of a vote that you needed that vote to go your way, or obviously you would have been in a worse position. You know, in retrospect, and Tom, you know, this hindsight is 50-50. Mm-hmm. I wish that I wouldn't have played it, but then it would have been a real possibility that somebody from my alliance would have went home. And, yes, you know, the deck reshuffles constantly on Survivor. Um, I felt the need to play it, and I did. Do I wish I would not have? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it's tough looking back on it. Everybody would, you know, Monday morning quarterback uh, the games. But um, with, I want to ask you too. You know, uh, you've played twice now. Both times, you, you know, you ended up being blindsided. What do you feel now that you've played the game twice? What do you feel uh, are your any of your weaknesses in the game of Survivor? Well. You've heard it a million times, but it comes down to this. You can't trust anybody, but you have to trust somebody. And if there's one flaw that I have, it's 
it, it's the classic one. It's getting comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's trusting the group of people that you're with and then not going over to the enemy camp enough, the enemy camp, if you will, mm-hmm. and trying to fish out information or, you know, being even more duplicitous and disingenuous with the people you fully com- you fully have no plans of working with for that particular vote. So I guess it's while I'm leading people to the slaughter, uh, mm-hmm. I don't lie my butt off. I don't volunteer to sacrifice my child's life. Um, now maybe I should become a much more smooth, savvy liar, perhaps? <laughs> I love the version of Deb that we get on TV, so I, w- I would keep doing what you're doing. But, um... uh, but you're very kind. I mean, I mean, I appreciate that. You know, Tom, in real life, I'm, I'm a pretty laid-back... I am the last person to make a scene or <laughs> want attention. Or so it's funny because I honestly think 95% of the time I'm a pretty quiet person, but it's Survivor. <laughs> I wanted to ask you too about that. So, you know, you had the, the cool, um, awesome, like, exile yacht experience uh, where you got to meet uh, Cochran. Did you, you know, he even was kind of pointing out, you know, what he saw is, you know, what he thought your game flaws were and what he hoped you had kind of gotten out of that meeting. Um, watching that back on television, did you find any truth to what Cochran was saying about your game? Uh, and what did what was that whole experience like meeting him? And what did you get out of it? Meeting Cochran was wonderful. I, I was always a Cochran fan, largely due to the fact that he was an underdog, not a thread of physicality, and went out there and just was a trooper, and of course won his second time around. Mm-hmm. You know, Cochran has a very uh, neurotic, I mean that with all due respect, Mm -hmm. that hyper-paranoid personality where if Debbie is talking to Tom um, and then Tom goes off and talks to Bill, I I have to swoop in and find out what that conversation was about. He he wanted to be on top of every conversation all along the way, and it gets exhausting, quite frankly. Sure. Whereas I say... I'm going to get as much information as I can. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to say, okay, here it is. I'm making my play, and it's the best I could do, and and be okay with it at the end of the day. So we're kind of like two different personalities. But what I took from Cochran is, um, you know, try to reach out to everybody, you know, which I feel like I did, but but do it constantly. Mm -hmm. Even if a deal and these are your intentions, still go to the person that you're planning on stabbing in the back, pet them, (laughs) soothe them, and, uh, you know, at least lead them to the slaughter gently. (laughs) Well, Deb, again, I'm out of time here, but uh, it was great chatting with you. It was great seeing you. I was was excited for one uh, to see you come back this season and play. So uh, best of luck to you out there in the real world. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. So there you have it. Uh, that is my interview with Debbie Wanner, uh, the latest person to get voted out of Survivor Game Changers, becoming the third member of the jury for this season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean what I said there. You know, I, uh, I know that Debbie has a lot of haters out there. Hi, Mom. Especially my mom always is constantly uh, 
on top of how much she d- dislikes Debbie <laughs> in the game. And she was very happy last night. But anyway, I know a lot of you feel the same way. But I personally did like Debbie. I, I think that she's one of those survivor personalities. You know, I don't really ever expect her to win the game. But those are the kind of personalities, uh, the unpredictable people in the game that I feel make the show even that much more entertaining. You know, I put her in the same category as like a Philip Shepard, uh, that sort of a thing. But anyway, uh, yeah, there, there, there was Debbie. She's now out of the game. And I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. So moving forward, though, from here, uh, we are into the final month of this season. Season 34 is coming to a close in May. Uh, there are only three episodes remaining this season leading up to the two-hour finale. Uh, the Game Changers finale is on Wednesday, May 24th. So mark your calendar for that. And, uh, you know, it's, of course, followed by the live reunion show. And uh, so we're winding down here. Uh, there are now, you know, ten people left in the game, though, still. We're only halfway through the people, even though we have, you know, four episodes left. But, uh, yeah, so I want to kind of uh, just put this in your head, too. You know, we've been covering Survivor Heavy here as the season has progressed. Uh, we're going to continue to do so all the way through finale. I plan on having interviews with each and every person that's left in the game. We'll have a lot of talk about Survivor. Uh, but I also, uh, as people may know, I'm a film critic. I'm the national film critic for Access.com. I've been a movie critic uh, in the Detroit area. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association, they're the group that does the Critics' Choice Awards on television every year, uh, so I'm a part of that group. And uh, as we would have it, as Survivor is kind of wrapping up, uh, we're getting into the uh, the major part of the uh, you know the blockbuster movie season, the summer blockbuster movie season. So uh, yeah. You know, we're going to kind of segue and get into movies as we go here. I know I've just kind of been mentioning them briefly, but I'm urging all my Survivor fans to uh, continue listening to me through the summer uh, as we'll be talking movies. We might shift the podcast to where it can come out more on a Friday every week so that I can talk about the new movies because a lot of the time I'm under embargo where I'm not allowed to discuss my thoughts on the movie until it's been released in my market. So... I uh, just want to let you know, but we're also going to have a lot of guests. Uh, I'm gonna, I have some celebrity uh, interviews lined up. Um, I get to talk to people, uh, you know, directors and actors uh, from the movies. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And if you're in the Detroit area, I'm on two local TV shows here. I'm on the Fox 2 affiliate uh, every week on a show called Critically Speaking. It uh, airs on Fridays at 6.30 and Saturdays at 9.30. I'm also on a syndicated TV show called Movie Show Plus. You can check your local listings in the Midwest. So just keep that on, on your agenda and uh, and let me know what you think of the podcast. Again, I really would appreciate your feedback and I uh, would like to hear from the fans. So uh, this week in the movies, uh, the, movie, the only really big movie release coming out this week is a movie called The Circle starring Emma Watson sporting an uh, American accent. Uh, She stars with Tom Hanks in that movie. Oddly enough, it was not screened by critics across the nation. That's usually a terrible sign (laughs) that the movie is horrible, uh, that they don't even screen it for critics. So think of that as you will. That comes out Friday. And then in addition to that, there's a bunch of Netflix movies that have been released recently. You know, as people know, Netflix is, you know, on their way to world domination. But, uh, there's the new Adam Sandler movie, Sandy Wexler. 
there's a movie called Win It All. It's like a dramedy starring Jack Johnson uh, from New Girl. And uh, then there is The Discovery with uh, Robert Redford. So check out Netflix if you got it. Uh, Check out The Circle if you want. And, of course, check out Survivor next week. We will be back with another edition of the Film Survivor podcast next Thursday as we talk to another person who is voted out of the game. Uh, That would be the fourth member of the jury. Uh, As we saw in the preview for next week, um, things are not going to slow down. You know, this vote, if anything, was entertaining, and it's going to lead to some upheaval here moving forward. So it's going to be people scrambling, looking to make big moves, and looking to position themselves as we uh, head down the final stretch here. So, again, I appreciate you joining me here at the Film Survivor Podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at Tom Santilli. My website, TomSantilli.com. And, of course, uh, check out RealityT.com for all of my written uh, episode previews, recaps, and exit interviews each and every week. That'll do it right now for the Film Survivor Podcast for this week. I'm Tom Santilli. See you next week.